0: All right, good morning and welcome to the David and David on Real Estate Podcast. We are in episode 114 and uh, we have Ashton Tesoro back in the studio joining us again. Uh, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into Ashton's story of how she became one of the top young realtors at Sutton Group Summit Realty. Um, and I'm going to let Ashton uh, jump in and tell her story because I could keep going. And keep diving deeper but we want to hear this story from ashton ashton welcome back
1: thanks for having me back so yep.
0: sorry go ahead so your second year as a, as a realtor and you're you're you know in in your early 30s i'm going to say this because you know we're, we're super proud um, tell us about your second year in real estate, um, and and tell us, you know, how that journey evolved into you receiving one of the highest awards and being one of the youngest realtors in the history of Sutton Summit to uh, to, to have that level of success.
1: Um, opportunity knocked. That's how it all started. So I got a call from an agent who had sold his um, primary residence. Uh, sorry, he was moving out of Croatia, out to Croatia, selling his primary residence, and he needed a realtor on the ground. He wasn't going to be here for any of it. And he asked me if I would be interested in um taking on the leads that were coming in and any showing requests. Now, going back to my first year in real estate, I had an opportunity to do some showings for the same realtor. So we had you know, bonded, had a little bit of a connection. I took some of his clients out while he wasn't here. Um, So the trust factor was there. Uh, So when he put his house up for sale, I basically went to the house and did any showing requests that he had, whether it be through realtor.ca or um, any of his own clients. And that's basically how I started my second year in real estate um, by going through this $3.6 million house and speaking with clients that were looking for that type of a home from there, I was able to convert any lead that basically came through the door. So I gained four clients from that specific transaction and they all unfolded. So, um, that's how my success came. I also had my own clients on the side, but that's primarily how I came about doing what I did in that year was taking an opportunity that came towards me.
2: So we talked in our, in our last podcast about how hard it is to get leads, right? Especially when you're starting out and how you know it's a grind, it's hard work. Uh, you have to have some sort of system, et cetera, to do that. But now, the other part of it now, you when you get leads, you had an ability to convert the leads, right? Nice. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Like you know, how do you approach that? Like without looking, you know, like a dog on a bone. To, you know, like I gotta sign you. I gotta say you, you gotta go with me. You know, like how do you be calm and and pretend like you don't, like you don't need it, when the inside of you desperately wants to to sign that client up. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it all comes from just having a normal conversation. Show them the features of the house that you're showing that I was showing. Like I went and I showed every feature of that house. And yes, obviously I wanted to convert them at the end of the day, but primarily I was trying to sell the house that I was in. And I gain trust by telling them all the features, by telling them about the neighborhood, by explaining to them the benefits of buying this house in this neighborhood. And you gain trust. And that's the biggest key to converting leads is gain trust, know how to speak to clients. So in our last podcast, we talked about shadowing a mentor, going to open houses, learn how to speak to clients, go and see someone that is doing it day in and day out who is experienced and learn from them you pick up a lot when you just shadow someone
0: yeah actually i have
1: an ability to convert so that's uh that is a benefit for me it's a natural gift i just i can convert strangers very very easily a lot of realtors can't but i tell you gain trust that's the biggest thing don't look for a sale
0: yeah, I I think, you know, that's the key is is building trust and rapport. And I think, you know, part of that is, you know, I think explaining the features of the house is really important, but also pointing out the, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly is is part of that building trust rapport that you get. Because I think every salesperson is going to try to sell the property, right? We want to sell the property, we want to do the deal, we want to get paid the commission. But very few salespeople, you know, actually consult or actually give advice to a client. And that involves not only looking at the good, but it also involves looking at the entire picture. You know, where does the client work? Does the location of the house, is it conducive to their lifestyle? Is 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 it... Um, realistic for them to commute to Scarborough from Oakville. Is that going to work in the long term for them? They have five kids. Is a three bedroom house going to work even though the wife loves the kitchen and it's the perfect kitchen, right? Do you just get the paperwork signed knowing that two weeks after they move in with five kids, you know, the house isn't going to work for them. Right, so I think part of that building trust, building rapport, is 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 going that extra mile and put yourself in their shoes and and really consulting them on that deep level and 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 you know not only selling the house but also pointing out you know the negative uh, features of the house that may not work for them.
1: For me, any client that I take on. It's not a quick sale. I will never take a quick sale. It's always going to be a long-term client. That is my goal. I want them to call me back because of the job I did for them. I want them to refer me to a friend because of the job I did for them, not just to get a quick paycheck. So off of that, building on that story, I had a, I met a couple who were moving from Nova Scotia to Ontario from that house. I showed them that $3.6 million house wasn't going to work for them, just a little bit too small. And they said to me after taking them through that house, this is what we're looking for. I said, fantastic. Well, maybe we should go the new build route. I drove there. I showed them a new build that wasn't even there. We walked the property. I gave them the benefits where everything was going to basically sit according to the plan. And they looked at me after that property and they said, this isn't the house for us but you're our realtor now. We trust you. They said we've seen a bunch of different properties with eight different realtors, all the listing agents, and we have not felt trust like we feel with you. So you're our realtor. Now I showed them, I think 12 homes all within the 3.2 to the $4 million range on FaceTime in 2022. And eventually I ended up buying them a very beautiful home in East Lake um, by FaceTime (laughs) and it was a $3.7 million house. And I ended up getting it for 150,000 under asking based off of negotiation. So that was a really cool experience, but they called me every single day. We talked every single day. They asked me to drive to houses that I knew would not work for them, but they were adamant on seeing them. And I knew if I wanted to keep the trust in the client, I needed to go and I needed to put in the hard work. Real estate's not complicated. It's a lot of hard work and dedication.
2: Yeah. And, and from what you're saying, it's not just about knowing the real estate. Like you certainly have to know the house that you're taking them to. You have to do your home take a look at it so you can present it to them properly, but it's just as important to understand the client and what they're looking for. And you're taking them sometimes to a house that you know, you're going to talk them out of it because it's, because it's not the right place for them. And long-term, that wouldn't be good. Even if they get so excited about it when they first go in, eventually they're going to be disappointed. They're going to say, why didn't Ashton tell us about this? Or why didn't she tell us about that? And that comes back to haunt you. So you never, I, I agree with you, you don't look for the quick sale. You look for the right sale at the right price. And price isn't always the most important factor. its It's where people want to live. It's their home. You know, And to some, it's the park, and it's the school, and it's the shopping close by, and it's the neighborhood feel. And for others, that none of that is important. But your job is to find out what really is important to that particular client, and don't try and put a round peg in a square hole.
1: The look on their face when they showed up at that house just did it all for me. They were so happy. I checked all of their boxes, and then some, um, you know, it was... It was an amazing moment. So, and to do it all by Facetime really showed me how you have to be savvy to get things done. But you can also give your client a lot of fulfillment by finding them the right property.
0: And, and Ashton, your background as a clerk, I believe, really also played an important role in this particular sale.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. So David Corman's office handled handled this transaction, and from my knowledge of working as a clerk, um, and doing the research on this property, it was one year old, it was an owner build. And I was adamant that we did a building and zoning search, which is not required under title insurance. Correct. David.
2: Right. Right. We wouldn't do it unless there was particular reasons to do it.
1: But in working with David, I had seen a lot of permits that were never closed. And the nightmare that that becomes for my clients or David's clients on the back end, if it's not thoroughly checked. So I said to David, I want a building and zoning search done on the property. Please get it done. Came back clear. That was fantastic. But it turns out that we closed the home and about a year later, we had the client come back to us and say, we're trying to put in a pool and there is an open permit and it was actually on the town of Oakville that made an error and didn't check all the departments. So we had to work through as a team, all of us, um, getting that permit closed, even though we went above and beyond, did our due diligence and we had to get it closed as quickly as possible for the client.
2: Yeah. Maybe I'll just explain for anybody listening. Like, I don't want it to sound like, you know, we just choose not to do certain searches that we should be doing. It's really just part of the title insurance system. That if you're, if you have, because you're getting title insurance, you're not required to do building and zoning and certain searches. uh, Because if you close without doing them and, and post-closing, it turns out there was an issue that you would have discovered had you done the searches, you get title insurance to step in and protect the buyer, the homeowner and the lender to cover them and fix the issue at their expense. So a lot of times, most of the time, an owner is better off not knowing if there was a permit or outstanding permit or or a work order or something. Because if they know before closing, then we have to get the seller to fix it and clean it up before closing. And sometimes you just can't get that done uh, because there's physical stuff that has to be done. You got to get an inspection back. It's got to be, and that screws up the closing or prevents it from closing altogether. So a lot of times you're better off closing. You find out after closing, there was an issue. Title insurance has all the time in the world to go get it cleaned up and fixed at their cost, not the owner's cost. So that's why when I say, you know, we routinely wouldn't be searching unless there's particular reasons, that's why. Because we want them to have the protection of the title insurance, because sometimes they're better off with that than than the old school way, which is, oh, we have an issue, seller, you have to clean this up before closing. Because that opens a door for a seller sometimes to sometimes say, I can't get this done before closing, therefore the deal is off, and I'm going to sell to somebody else. And that's not a good result for our buyer client.
1: The only reason that I requested it was because I knew that the property was only a year old, so the likelihood of a permit being right. open was extremely high. It was high on regular residential uh, on regular residential properties that have been around for a long time, there would be zero need for that. But because it was a year old and it was an owner build, I had a suspicion right. that there might be a permit still open.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, and guys, what a you know, what a great outcome, right? Because as a team, everybody worked together Cormans, the home inspector. Ashton the town of oakville everybody came together and worked through the client was able to uh, put in the pool get a pool. uh, permit the home inspector went out several times worked with the city inspector worked with the previous owner. To go ahead and close that old permit and everybody was there every step of the way together as a team to make sure that the customer experience was. Um, you know, our, our North Star and 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 our guiding uh, beacon. And um, Ashton, the client's ecstatic. They love the house. They just put in a new pool and, and you still get calls from them um, all the time.
1: And it was actually a very unique situation that by the home inspector, who I work with an amazing home inspector, he builds custom homes. And being out there, he was able to give them some really great advice on where to position their pool equipment to save them a ton of money. So they were through the roof ecstatic. It was a great, uh, outcome for all
2: yeah. yeah, the fact that, that you go the extra mile to find out the need of a client that a client wants to put a pool in. We we come across this all the time where agents have no idea that a client want, bought a house intending to put a pool in or wanted to do some major landscaping or wanted a cabana in the backyard, and it turns out they can't because there's an easement there. Uh, but it, but it never came up. No one ever asked them the question like, "What are you going to do with the property? Is there anything that you want to do to the property?" And that's part of you know what a realtor has to do. You have to understand your clients needs and going to house and what their potential future use of the property is going to be too. Okay. And, um, cause you would have had a very disappointed client if, if they were told, no, you could never put a pool in. It's not a matter of the worker, but that happens to be backs on conservation land or something. And, and you're prohibited from doing it so many feet. And therefore you only have, you know, you can put a hot tub in, but you can never put a pool in or something like, or there's, or there's utility easement under the property. You can't, you can't dig enough of an area to put a pool in. And there's a lot of properties like that. So it's just the wrong property for certain clients. You gotta find them the right property. Other clients say, oh, I'll never dig. I'll never put a pool in I don't care. I don't care if there's an easement. That's a great house for me. You have to know your client.
1: Yeah, you definitely have to pass the three bedroom, two bath, one car garage, two car garage requirement. Dig in, get to know your clients, build trust, build rapport. They're going to appreciate those questions. They're never going to um, be upset with you for asking more questions than you should.
0: Yeah, I and, and David, we talk about this all the time in the podcast is like, you know, realtors ask me, what are they doing wrong that they're not getting any referrals? You know, I, I've done my job, you know, the client was happy. Um, I did everything, right? But I'm not getting referrals from my clients. And I always say to them, just by doing your job, doesn't guarantee a referral in order for a client to give you referrals. They have to love you. They have to appreciate you. They, you know, they have to ha- hold you in the highest regards to and in, in, instill that type of trust onto you. And just by doing your job, even if you do your job well, doesn't guarantee you referrals. What guarantees you referrals is you going the extra mile, is you going out of the box, is you, You know, doing something different is you, you know, really, you know, making a big impact in that customer's lives, right? And if you not only do your job, but go that extra mile, that's how you're going to get those referrals, right? And Ashton, like you've been, you know, four years in the business and you're already seeing referrals from multiple clients. So that tells you that you're doing right. And for all the other realtors that are listening, you know, that's what it takes to get referrals from clients is doing something different, going out of your comfort zone and really delivering an exceptional client experience. 100 yeah. percent. Ashton, um, the other thing that really stood out in in your second year is a story that you shared with me about uh, door knocking, you know, this is through COVID and, you know, very low inventory levels and and you met a client that had very specific needs. How did you find that one particular client, the house of their dream?
1: So I had a client that gave me the most specific parameters I have ever been given, which was, it has to be a dead end court in this specific area of Oakville. It has to have this bedrooms, has to have a nanny suite. The only requirement that they did not want was a pool. They didn't care if they got one or not. So they had been looking for six months and found nothing. Uh, They fired their old realtor. They were just looking on their own. And I said to them, I'll find you a house, like, trust me to find you a house. And they said, okay, if you can find us a house, you're our agent. So after looking through all the inventory, looking at um, even terminated listings, i finally went out to door knock, and i went out on every street that would have fit their criteria i knocked on every door that had a house that looked from the outside to fit their criteria and i asked if the seller was willing to sell minus 12 outside the last day i did it i knocked on 24 doors that day and the last door i knocked on said we're not really looking to sell but come on in take a look. And sure enough, the house fit every single box that these people wanted and it had a pool. So I went a little bit over their criteria there, but I door knocked in like, like David said in COVID people were very hesitant to open up the door, but that was the only way that I was going to find them the house that they wanted.
2: So did you end up acting for the seller as well on that?
1: that's where it gets a little messy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the seller was adamant that they be basically self-represented. Um, they had a realtor that they worked with very frequently and they said, if we're going to have a realtor, we're going to call that realtor. So I only acted for the buyer and the buyer actually ended up paying my commission on that deal because the seller refused. Seller said again, if we're gonna have an agent, we're gonna pay someone, we're gonna pay our agent.
2: Right. So so that all yeah. So the commission all got negotiated as part of the purchase price. You know, the seller's calculating what they would have paid if they had to pay a commission and and that all factors into the price that they're prepared to sell, right?
1: Actually, no, they paid above and beyond what the sellers were willing to accept. So it was a very unique situation. Um, but it all worked out. And the clients are happy. I went back there at Christmas time this year and they are through the moon happy. They locked in at a really low interest rate for five years, checks, all their boxes, they just had another baby. So they're very, very happy.
0: And Ashley, did you sell their house? I I forget. Did you,
1: I I sold their house and then from there I got a sign call and then I sold another house in oakville which was 2.2 million and that one i actually ended up double ending and then from there i sold those people's house from the buyers so it was great just like effect
0: so so going out in minus 12 weather door knocking getting told by the seller hey we're not going to compensate you get your compensation from the buyer having to go back to the buyer saying hey listen i found you the perfect home but You're going to have to pay me negotiating that with them um, and then listing their house for sale, then getting a sign call listing another house on the same street for sale, double ending that house and then selling the buyer's house on that that bought the other sign uh, listing that you had that that's incredible.
1: And I, I wanna go back to the last sale. Um, so when I double ended that deal, those buyers were willing to work with me as an agent. However, they were going to list with um, purple bricks at the time to sell their home. And they said to me, um, well, why would we list with a realtor? Like, I don't understand the benefits. We have been you know, misled by our previous real- realtor when we bought this house. It wasn't the house we should have ever bought. Uh, why would we, why would we list with you? There's no reason for us to have a realtor. And I went through why they should have a realtor. And I said to them, you know, when this gets tough, you're not going to know what to do. You're not going to know how to act quickly. And you're certainly not going to have the team behind you. If something comes up and goes wrong, I said, I can guarantee you, you will be hundred percent represented to my, the best of my ability. So it turns out that this transaction was right when the market started to fall we got a preempted offer of 1.7 million which is great they accepted it it was a firm offer and i get a call the next morning saying um, uh, the clients have changed their mind or sorry the same day the same day it was that night the clients have changed their mind um they're not going to be dropping off the deposit and we're not going to go through with the deal so they've just screwed up my whole offer process. Cause I accepted a preemptive offer. No one else is interested at this point in coming to the table. I picked up that phone and I called Foreman's LLP. And I said, I need a letter to go out now. They drafted that letter within an hour. The letter went out to the, uh, buyer, the buyers. And it basically said that you're in an anticipatory breach. And you have to drop off the deposit by 9 a.m. the next day. Sure enough, those buyers dropped off that deposit all because Foreman's came to the rescue, drafted that letter on a Sunday night at 8 p.m. I think I spoke with Jonathan. Um, David, I think you were traveling. He was driving in Miami on a birthday trip. And he called one of his associate lawyers and he said, get that letter drafted. I got the clients to give permission to Corman's via email for it to go out. They read it over and those clients love me to this day because if they were self-represented, they would have had no idea what to do. And they would have sold their house for a lot more money because the market took a nosedive after that. A lot
0: less money. I'm going to correct less you. Money.
1: A, lot a lot less money, lot less money,
0: a lot less money. <laughs> lot less money. Yeah. yeah. Just an incredible story, Ashton. And I just, it goes to show, you know, what hard work, what teamwork, what dedication, and and Ashton, I've been to that house because you know you extend an invitation to the open house, so I I walked into that house, and I um, the staging job to this day stands out in my mind to to the point where I actually sent it to a couple of clients that I had in mind, including my parents. I actually sent this house to my parents and I said you know, mom and dad, you're, you know, you you wanted a a more open concept bungalow in in South Oakville. You need to come look at this listing because it is just absolutely incredible. Now, my parents, you know, were busy, didn't want to come. They missed out. But, you know, what a great story um, for your clients. And, you know, what a great story of teamwork. It just shows you uh, that having a professional representing you and and, um, guiding you, and, and upholding your fiduciary duties, what that can do in terms of a positive uh, effect at the end of the day. So um, great story, Ashen, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, in your second year, as one of the early uh, youngest professional realtors that we have at Sutton Summit Realty, you achieved one of the highest sales awards um, in your second year. And it's just an incredible story and an incredible achievement. And we're very incredibly proud of you.
2: Yeah. And I just want to just touch back. You mentioned something really important um, and we're talking about teamwork. And David and I have talked about this a lot of times in the podcast, too. You learned really early on the importance of you've already mentioned you had an inspector that saved the day one time, saved the clients a lot of money. You had a, the right a good home inspector. You talked about getting them the right mortgage. You got you, you make sure you got the right mortgage brokers involved and in, in, in listening to your clients too. And, and you gave a really nice compliment to our firm and and the way you know we came through for you on a false. So you've already given a few examples. And I think that's really critical to any success of a of a realtor is having the right people working with them because there is that team aspect, you know, and, and extends to the title insurance too. <clears throat> You know, so we have to do that. That's really important of what we collectively do here for our our mutual clients. And anyways, I'm really glad you brought that story up. Aside from being a little commercial for Corman's, but it's what we emphasize at our firm too. That's exactly how we try to set up our firm that we pool everybody's available. You can't get me, you might get Jonathan, you can't get him, you might get me, you might get an associate or Someone in the office will react, hopefully in a timely fashion. We try to all be available. Like, you know, we we designed it specifically to do that. And smart agents like you and David take advantage of that. And because because that's part of our success. So I'm glad, thank you for bringing that up. Cause it's, it's nice to have a little infomercial in here for us too, but it's the teamwork that I think is critical for you. It's part of your success is having the right people to help you out.
1: percent, hundred percent. When I use my client's lawyers, I find it extremely challenging because I don't have their cell phone numbers. And when my client's calling me saying, I don't know what's going on. Well, I don't know what's going on because I don't have that direct team relationship with your lawyer that I do with mine. Right. So it's, it's very important to have a great team and clients can definitely use their own lawyers. I'm not saying they should absolutely use yours, but the benefits of having a strong team behind you. I've even run into situations where my clients are using their own lawyers and they're giving advice. And I don't necessarily agree with the advice being given and I'll pick up the phone and I'll call David or Jonathan and say, look, this is the situation. I know you're not acting here, but can you give me some guidance as a realtor, um, talking to my client and trying to guide my client through this situation, and you guys are amazing and more than willing to give, obviously, brief information based on the little knowledge that I'm giving you for me to guide my clients.
2: Yeah, always with a disclaimer that we're not officially. Always, <laughs> <laughs> always. but there's okay. many
1: situations like that.
0: Well, Ashton, thanks again for joining us uh, on on this uh, episode and uh, talking about your journey uh, and your incredible pathway to, again, one of the highest awards at Sutton Summit Realty. Um, It was a pleasure and uh, we're going to have you back again to talk about a subject that is uh, very near and dear my heart, which is um, real estate investing. Okay.
1: Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, Ashton. Pleasure. Thank you.